Welcome to How to Scale, the podcast by Frog Capital focused on helping software companies to successfully scale up. For more than 10 years, we have developed a solid understanding of the common challenges that scale-up companies face. With our group of operating partners, who have learned from years of experience, we have created the scale-up methodology, which brings together insights and tools to help improve companies' probability of reaching sustainable profitability. Each podcast looks at a different challenge that all companies will face on their way to scale. My name is Jens Düring. I'm one of the senior partners at Frog Capital, the investor focused on purpose-driven European software companies in the scale-up phase. Over the last 20 years, my own personal journey has led me to work in this space, challenging the status quo to identify better ways to tackle problems. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, sign up for the podcast at frogcapital.com slash podcast. Today's episode is focused on scaling a business sustainably with Stephen Dunn. Stephen has over 20 years of private equity experience, gained both within private equity firms and as a senior executive of private equity-backed companies. In our conversation, we will cover topics including strategic financial management and planning, how purpose impacts a business, balancing growth and profitability, and where the buck always stops with strong leadership. Stephen, one topic we're going to talk about today is one that's close to our heart. It's how to scale the business sustainably. What are the pillars of a sustainable business in your point of view? I think the sustainability really starts with the purpose of the organization and making sure that we believe that that's something that will resonate with people for a long period of time, that is not going to be changed with, with social changes. It really is something that we can get behind as a, a, a purpose that's doing social good. I think when we look at that from our perspective, that's not just about it being a social impact, but something which is also commercially viable. So sustainability in our mind is the combination of something that has a business model that can be profitable, that can work for a long period of time, that is long-term sustainable commercially, and then has the right sort of impact socially, which means that there's going to be no changes in, in society that mean it's under threat. And what are some milestones or pieces of evidence you look for that there is the ingredient there for sustainable business? For us, it's really looking at what it's done to date. I think as a growth investor, we have the benefit of having some evidence around how a company has grown up. It's absolutely clear that we need to see some real traction amongst the client base. And I think we are really focused on having quality evidence about being able to forecast forward what the trajectory of the business is. So being quite an analytical bunch as we are, I think we're always looking at how many data points do we have to work with. So particularly in, in B2B businesses where you might only have a few key clients, how many times are they renewed? What's the sales pipeline looking like? That sort of thing. It's really important for us in terms of understanding that they've proven their business model, there's product market fit, and now we can see where the market is that they're going to be really pushing into with something that works and something that works obviously commercially and from a social perspective. And that's a very important point because I think everybody out there expects a financial investor like us to focus on commercial viability. But there are now other elements that actually contribute to commercial viability that we are getting more conscious about and have more of an agenda to help companies to address these markets. That it be environmentally, socially, or from a government's point of view. How do you and how do we support our companies in hitting those 
criteria? Yeah, I think there's so there's two parts to this. One is around that initial filter that we would only back companies where we believe in the purpose. The second part of it is more to the ESG agenda, which is about best practice for these companies once they're in the portfolio and how do they scale and maintain that purpose. I think there's a big challenge of not compromising on your values as you scale a business. It's very easy to chase growth for growth's sake when you're under pressure in order to generate those growth rates. So we try to focus more on the long-term value creation rather than the short-term. So I think one of the key things that I've always talked to CFOs about is is that the maturity of a business is demonstrated when they realize that not all revenue is good revenue. And they're starting to be selective about what's the right sort of customer for the long-term, somebody who's going to be there is a good fit for them and is repeatable. And so there is a big attitude change which goes through this phase where we're really looking for evidence of that change coming through and that we can see that there's enough evidence to to support a long-term sustainable business. And have you seen any evidence of these elements contributing to the long-term sustainability, both in terms of positive evidence or maybe negative evidence where you haven't seen it? Well, I guess there's, there's lots of evidence in the past of, of companies who've suffered brand reputation risk being in, involved with partners or suppliers that, that have suddenly performed very badly or, or done very bad things, and that's clearly impacted on their own value. So I think from our perspective, we are looking to build businesses in the right way, and for the long term, that's just part of our values. It has the side effect of insulating against those potential negative value impacts, both through the life of the business and particularly on exit. There is a lot of focus these days on these sort of issues. And so if you can't demonstrate a good environmental and, and social track record, I think you are going to find it very difficult to find a really good strategic buyer in future. So I think that this is very much a a transition phase for how people look at the impacts of environmental and social issues. There are pieces of evidence in the past which support that case. But I think right now we're looking at just a change environment and that you can't assume that some things you might have got away with 10 years ago, you will get away with because there'll at least be one buyer who's prepared to overlook it. I think in future there just won't be any who don't need to tick those sort of boxes, even if they don't believe them. They will have their own investors who want to check those lists and make sure that they're buying something without those sort of reputational risks. Yeah, and then that's certainly something we see a lot of in the market right now, a growing level of scrutiny on these topics and for the better good of the companies and of society. Elements include employee misbehavior or mistreatment. We've both worked in the financial industry for over 20 years, so we have seen some of those in life, I'm sure, but also to uh, implicit unfairness. So gender uh, discrimination, that's implicit in there as a topic that uh, we certainly have an eye out for and keep an eye out for. And it goes down to the business model. So are you actually uh, favoring business models that are ethically questionable? And an example for that would be a payment service provider for a pornography website. Mm-hmm. So there are elements out there where I think we are getting much clearer on just not making sure that our portfolio companies in itself are not doing anything bad, but also have a wider positive impact on society. I think the other issue that's very clear now is that employees are making much clearer decisions on who they are prepared to work with and for. And so where companies aren't able to demonstrate these clear positive trends, they find it harder to recruit the best people who absolutely have choice and will gravitate to companies where they believe in their values and they can see those values being enacted in practice. 
And we have seen that live in our portfolio that we have companies in there who have a very strong purpose and have a surprisingly, perhaps surprise, perhaps not surprisingly, strong recruitment power. It's clearly a good business sense to have a sustainable setup and then be clean in your values and your behaviors. Stephen, we have talked about some of the social aspects of sustainability. Clearly, a big building block of a sustainable business is the inherent profitability. Can you speak a little bit to this topic? Yes, absolutely. I think it's important that we create optionality in our businesses. And I think there's one of the elements that we see potentially as we go into a business is they've been over-focused on growth for growth's sake, which is great if you've got a positive purpose, you just want to do more of it, you want to see more people benefiting from it. But ultimately, you're, you're taking a risk there that, for example, if the funding markets aren't particularly good, that you don't have another way of, of delivering that impact or maintaining what you've got. So we talk a lot about route to profitability and understanding that route to profitability. It doesn't mean that we're pushing companies there too early, but it does mean that they have that fallback position so that they can toggle between very high growth and loss making to maybe reducing that level of growth to you know, 20 to 30 percent. So still good levels of growth, but at that level, they know they can be profitable. It's a really important part of the analysis that we go through in the DD process that they understand the difference between their underlying trading profitability and their investment for growth. I think a lot of companies where they've raised a lot of money really don't differentiate between the two and therefore they don't know how to toggle back to the profitability position. Whereas our companies, as we've demonstrated through COVID, really do understand that mechanics of how you can move from one to the other. And currently that's a very important topic and, and development in the public markets as well, where profitability gets a higher appreciation by investors now than perhaps it did a year ago. Have you seen a refocusing in our portfolio about what the focus is for the companies in terms of the trade-off of revenue growth versus profitability? I think that recognizing that some of the trends in the wider market, it's actually easier now to talk to companies about value creation through the route to profitability. I think a lot of them maybe in the past would have seen all of the most exciting exits going to the companies growing the fastest, irrespective of profitability, which is obviously a sign of the top of the bubble. What we're looking at now is a situation where that's actually more normalized and companies are expected to be able to demonstrate how they get to profitability and how ultimately that growth falls through operational leverage into increasing profitability over time. So I think the arguments that maybe we were having in the past and we're always talking about route to profitability were listened to but maybe not focused on whereas now there was a very clear alignment between that route to profitability and value creation. Stephen, how does purpose and leadership drive sustainability? Purpose is really important in terms of an aligned level of activity within an organization where we talk to our portfolio companies who have managed the most successfully through difficult times, what they'll say is if there's clarity of purpose, then leadership therefore can delegate very easily through the organization because everyone understands what we're trying to achieve. And therefore, there is a, a mutual goal and a mutual alignment of how to get there. So when things are difficult, what you need to do is react quickly and cohesively. That's so much easier when there's a clarity of purpose, everyone is buying into it, and everyone is bought into the level of delegated authority required in order to deliver it. Companies which are more centrally controlled and people don't really know any other purpose other than what well, we're trying to create value, but we're not quite sure how, 
will struggle in a difficult situation to create the same level of cohesiveness because everyone might have a different view of what their reaction to that might be. But in purpose-driven businesses where the leadership have created that level of delegated authority to deliver the purpose, there will naturally be that level of organisational ownership of the necessary actions in order to react more effectively and quicker in order to deliver that outcome. Stephen, thank you very much for sharing your insights on sustainability and how businesses get there. I'm sure it's appreciated. You can find Stephen's toolkit on scaling finance teams at procapital.com slash scaling finance, as well as many other scale-up insights and toolkits from our other Frog operating partners. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, sign up for the podcast at frogcapital.com dot com slash podcast and finally thank you for listening we welcome all feedback questions or topic suggestions for us to cover in future episodes so please email how to scale at frogcapital.com proc invests in purpose-driven european software scale-ups making a positive impact on society we look for businesses who have reached product market fit and are generating over 3 million euros of annual recurring revenue, what we see as a characteristic of the scale-up phase. It's a stage where businesses are continuing the path of positive growth, a purpose-driven route to sustainability and profitability. Our own purpose is to help scale the most exciting purpose-driven software companies in Europe. We do this with both capital and our in-house team of operating partners who work closely with all the companies we invest in to overcome the inevitable challenges scale-ups face.